Don't fuck with the Chuck. <laughs> oh, my God. Do you ever fantasize about being killed? Do you ever wonder about all the different ways of dying? You know, violently. I wonder, like, what would be the most horrible way to die? Well, hello, Mr. Fancy. The following program contains violence, disturbing imagery, nudity, and, oh my God, why are you even watching this? Just run away. This shit is going to give you nightmares. For real. Nightmares where you are running naked on a treadmill made of razor blades, and your third grade teacher is pointing and laughing at you. And now, it's the one, it's the only podcast so bad you question yourself why you keep downloading this trash. But it's okay, trust me. It'll be our little secret. I won't tell anyone. I promise. Yes, the podcast so smelly that dead fish are a welcomed guest in anyone's home. It's the Next Level Network production of What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero. And this is your cuddly host who has a bit of a cold. Paul, the Paul Bearer of all things gory and grammy. Including my cold. Sorry guys, it's a day or two late i apologize i've been under the weather sleeping and just really no energy feeling like shit but i'm good enough today so we're recording this shit and this week another great podcast planned for you as we put on our goggles and our bodysuits and dive headfirst into the oasis for the sci-fi hit ready player one which yes i know not a horror movie but it's sci-fi, so it fits the realm. Okay, and uh, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, this this movie I really enjoyed, so I really don't have a lot of negative to say, but there's some differences, so, you know, between book and film and whatnot. So, you know, we'll talk about that shit when we get to it. But first, as we always do, or as I always do, me and my multiple voices in my head, Let's talk the news. And I got quite a bit here this week. There's been a lot going on. Uh, First things first. Arriving on digital, May 22nd, 2018. And on Blu-ray, DVD, on demand, June 12th. From Universal Pictures Home Entertainment, The Strangers, Pray at Night. Uh, It's getting its release. Uh, Pray at Night is packed with exclusive bonus content. Uh, including a never-before-seen alternate ending. Uh, It's an unrated version that's going to bring the chaos and the horror of the film to a whole new level, according to them. Anyways, which, let's be honest, it was a damn good movie. Um, And like I I said during my my review, it made Air Supply relevant again, so, you know, 
That's pretty cool. Uh, Strangers, Pray at Night is based on real events, I think, surrounding a family struggling to survive as they are attacked on their vacation by a trio of masked psychopaths. Uh, and that would be Dollface, Pinup Girl, and the Man in the Mask. <laughs> that last one's pretty original, eh? Man in the Mask. Woo! Uh, anyways, um, yeah, it's getting its release digital may 22nd 2018 and then uh dvd blu-ray and on demand june 12th 2018 so we have that to look forward to uh, next story this was kind of interesting uh kind of took me by surprise i was kind of shocked about this but uh bill mosley was uh uh w- where did he write it now i think it was on his uh instagram i think he wrote that uh, Rob Zombie's uh, new film, uh, Three from Hell, uh, it's apparently done filming. Um, yeah, I think it was Instagram he posted it on. He, uh, he wrote something like, Exhausted but happy, Rob Zombie masterpiece, Three from Hell, in the proverbial can. Nowadays, I guess it's in the hard drive. And then he wrote something like, Great time last night, got all the shots we needed. Before we picture wrapped on the Valuzat movie ranch in dear old Santa Clarita, Clarita. Uh, I'm not gonna read the whole thing. It, go look it up. But um, he basically said that the filming's done, and he said something about he was going to eat a lot, sleep a lot, and brush him like crazy. Apparently, is a Beach Boys lyric. So yeah, the movie's already done filming. I thought it just started like two, three weeks ago. So. I don't know. I I mean, Rob's like I've said before, Rob Zombie does good when he does the Firefly family. You know, uh, House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects are both fucking amazing movies. So, I don't know. Quick filming, but maybe it's going to end up being a really great movie. So, uh, the cast also includes, like, Danny Trejo, who was uh, just recently on The Flash, I think, last week. Uh, not his best outing, but... It's Danny Trejo, so we still love him anyways. Uh, Clint Howard's going to be in this. D. Wallace, uh, Sean Whalen, Kevin Jackson, Austin Stoker, Tom Papa. There's a whole bunch of people going to be in this movie, so I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to give it a whirl. I mean, like I said, I like the first two, so. Um, so I'm adding this. It's a tiny little blurb, but Bloody Disgusting had posted, uh, I think it was last week, Hallmark apparently is adding Freddy and Jason to their itty bitties line of plushies this year. And it'll be released as a Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees two pack. So I thought that was kind of funny and noteworthy. Uh, Hallmark is weird. Like their Christmas decorations always make me laugh. Like, especially when they have like Darth Vader, who, you know, according to the prequels, you know, was a killer of children. But you can put them on your Christmas tree. Okay. Uh, this, I'm announcing this is more for uh, my Canadian listeners as opposed to the Americans. But you know what? If you want to come across the border, eh? We'd love to have you, eh? Uh, we, we go shoot some hockey, eh? Uh, anyways, no. Uh, London, Ontario is um, April 27th to the 29th. There will be a Shockstock Horror Con. I'm hoping to go. Uh, just have to confirm some shit at work, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to be there. Uh, guests are included this t- 
time around, uh, Kane Hodder. So I definitely want to meet him because I haven't met him yet, and I'm looking forward to that. Like forward to meeting Kane and whatnot. Might get some DVDs signed. I don't know. Um, Perry Shen from the Hatchet Films. He's going to be there. Brinky Stevens from Slumber Party Massacre and Nightmare Sisters. Larpar Lincoln, who was in House 2 and Friday the 13th Part 7. Uh, Tony Moran, who was the original uh, Michael Myers in Halloween. And Lloyd Kaufman's going to be there. I don't have to tell you who Lloyd is. I'm pretty sure you all know. So, yeah, and there's going to be a lot more, too. Like, ah, shit, I can't think of them off the top of my head. But there's it's, it's a nice guest list this time around, so... Hopefully I'll be there. If I am, I'll be posting pictures on the Instagram and Facebook page. Uh, tickets are on sale now. If you want to, go to www.shock-stock.com slash tickets. And, uh, plus, if you just go to shockstock.com, you'll see all the guest lists and the events that are taking place and whatnot. So thought I would mention that. Uh, what else? What else? What else? So, if you missed out on the Waxwork Records release of Dawn of the Dead, no worries. Storming the Bass will have you covered. Uh, Rustblade Records apparently is uh, releasing a Dawn of the Dead release in which Claudio Simonetti and his goblin band basically are playing and reinterpreting the score of one of the most famous horror movies of all times to celebrate 40 years of the idolized film Dawn of the Dead directed by George A. Romero. Um, uh, this is, I was looking at the track listing, so it's not a carbon copy of the soundtrack. What it's going to be is like they're, re, like I basically said, they're reinterpreting it, and there's a few uh, live tracks and whatnot. Um, it looks kind of interesting. So, I mean, it's not the actual soundtrack, but it's going to be all the tracks you could find on there. So... Uh, if you you know if you like Dawn of the Dead, uh, check it out. I know it's on there for pre-order already. I think it's something like 33 bucks Canadian. So I don't have the American conversion, but trust me, it's cheaper for Americans. Uh, <laughs> another announcement, actually, uh, this one from Cinestate, the Dallas-based production studio. Uh, they are rebooting Full Moon's popular 1995 Castle Freak. I don't know how I feel about that yet. Uh, basically, the original was the Stuart Gordon uh, horror film about a man who struggles to save his family from the strange and deadly occurrences in the castle they've inherited. And uh, so Cinestate has announced that they will be rebooting it or remaking it. Uh, it will be directed by Tate Steinsick. Uh, with uh, Barbara Crampton will be producing along with uh, Dallas Sonnier, Amanda Presmick, and Charles Band. Uh, Steinsek has also worked with Cinestate. Try saying that three times fast. Uh, Cinestate, uh, he uh, helped them do their Puppet Master remake as well as The Amazing Spider-Man. And Cinestate is also responsible for Brawl in Cell Block 99, which I have yet to see, but I have heard nothing but rave reviews about. So, that's, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure how I feel about Castle Freak being remade, but you know what? Maybe, maybe it'll be good. Another thing, uh, might as well go from one remake to another. Uh, so, Pet Cemetery being remade. And they may have their Lewis Creed. Uh, Jason Clark, 
apparently uh, this was reported two days ago, so he may have already signed by the time you've heard this. I don't know. But uh, he was in negotiations to uh, be the lead male star in Pet Cemetery, which I always thought Judd Crandall was actually the lead star, but that's me. Uh, anyways, he'll be uh, he'll be playing the Doctor, Lewis Creed, who was played by Dale Midkiff uh, in the 1989 version. It really wasn't that good. I, I don't know. I kind of didn't like his version of it, but whatever. Um, Jason Clark is currently on the big screen. He stars in a movie called Chappaquiddick, uh, uh, playing Ted Kennedy, I believe. I think that's what I saw. Um, He's also got other movies in the works, or in the can, as they call it. Um, He's doing uh, First Man with Ryan Gosling, and apparently it's about Neil Armstrong. And uh, Aftermath with Kira Knightley, and Serenity with Matthew McConaughey. So, we might have our Lewis Creed. Now I'm curious to see who they're going to get as Rachel and Zelda. Uh, final bit of the news. This one was another one I was kind of like, uh, what the fuck? So, Chris Columbus has confirmed that he is working on a Gremlins reboot. But he also said that there is a very little chance of a Goonies sequel. Uh, when asked, do you have an update on Goonies 2? He said, there has been talk of it, but it's a difficult one. Only because all of the actors have gotten older and chosen different careers. So it's a little bit more different, uh, different, difficult. Uh, Gremlins, though, we are actively talking about that. That's what I'm working on with my production company, 1492 Pictures. And it will almost definitely be a reboot. I was hoping for a sequel. I would have liked to have seen it like, you know, 30 years later kind of thing. But I don't know. He says it's going to be a reboot. So as long as they stay practical effects, I'm okay with it. Really. Uh, Final thing before we get into the segment films I've watched this past week. uh, Lurker's recommendation. It's an oldie. Uh, Kind of a two-part oldie, but whatever. Um, V the original miniseries and V the final battle and as uh, my friend Jeff and I always say we kind of consider it as like one big entity Uh, even though V the original miniseries aired in 90 or 93 83 1983 and V the final battle was 1984 but I mean it's just better to watch all five parts together I enjoy the series I'm currently re-watching it myself right now uh, you've got stars like Mark Singer, uh, Faye Grant, Jane Badler, Robert Englund. How can you go wrong with Robert Englund, right? Um, so, yeah, I, I've been watching it lately. I was like, you know what? I want to recommend that for, you know, not everyone has seen it. Uh, there's many people who know of V from, what, uh, I want to say eight years ago, I think it was, on ABC, which was a reboot in itself with cameos by like Mark Singer and Jane Badler and whatnot. But um, yeah, the original I, for me personally still holds up. I know some of the effects aren't the greatest, but I mean, come on, it was 1983. But um, I wanted to, I wanted to recommend that because I think it's a good series. Uh, like, as, like I say, watch the original miniseries and the final battle. There was a series that also followed. I think it was like 22 episodes, 22 or 23. That was okay. Uh, but the original miniseries and the final battle are fucking amazing and a lot of fun to watch. 
and somewhat relevant to the times we're living in today. So, I don't know. I thought I'd recommend that. But anyways, that's that. Uh, we're going to take a small little break. And when we return, it's going to be the segment Films I've Watched the Past Week. Uh, which, I think I just mentioned two of them. But anyways, <laughs> when we come back. Hey everybody, this is Rob from the Caffeine Crew cast of Pods and DC Primetime, and I'm here to tell you something that you should definitely be doing if you haven't done so already, and that is heading over to www.nextlevelradioonline.com. There's a ton of other great podcasts on the network if you haven't checked them out already, such as From Panels to Pixels, Two Fat Dudes, What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero, uh, an upcoming Lost Revisited podcast, uh, in addition to our flagship show, the Showcast Spotlight, which is about to probably get ready to kick off its brand new season of celebrity interviews. Great shows like The Melting Pat, Primetime Fantasy Football, and Con Talk. So whatever your interest is, there's definitely something for you at Next Level Radio Online. Make sure to check them out, like them, review them, share. Thank you guys so much for all of your years of support. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back, everyone. And I'm going to apologize now because they're doing construction outside. So you may hear some, like, banging and beeping and shit like that. Yeah, they're doing some construction. They're, like, repaving shit outside. So I guess they figure they better do it today because there's snow in the forecast for tonight. Um, <laughs> we had a huge, well, not, I wouldn't say huge snowfall, but there were some pretty big flakes yesterday morning, so... Just can't seem to get rid of this winter. So, enough of winter. Let's talk about the films I've watched this past week. And yes, uh, so two of them I already mentioned. My Lurker's Recommendation, which I, basically they are kind of like films. Um, it's I know it's an original miniseries. And V the Final Battle is like three um, three parts that are an hour and a half each, I think. So, I mean, technically, it kind of counts as, like, five movies, if you think about it, because the first two parts uh, for V, the original miniseries, part one and part two were an hour and 45 minutes long. So that's basically, like, two movies. And then V, the final battle, like I said, I think they were an hour and a half each. There's three parts to that, so that's, like, three movies. Uh, I have, I think, one part left to watch in the final battle, but... I, I personally, I love this. I love these films. Like, they're a lot of fun. Um, and they're very relevant. Uh, I don't want to get overly political. That's one thing I try to keep off of this podcast is politics and whatnot. But there's a lot of hints at, like, quote-unquote fake news. And what's fake news and what's not. What's censored. Uh, you have the whole... Um, like brainwashing of the youth, uh, making it, you know, almost like making like, you know, youngsters feel like they want to be a part of something, but because they don't know all the facts, they make mistakes and whatnot. Uh, and like, you know, just like false leaders and leaders who will lead you into chaos and all this other shit. It's very interesting. I, when, when the films were originally made, it was more about, um, Nazi Germany, like 
not about Nazi Germany, but that was where a lot of the influence for the show came from. And then you look at the times we live in today, and it's like, well, are we really that far from it? Uh, so, anyways, it's a really good series. I mean, and it's not completely politically based. I mean, there, there's a lot of fun with it, especially, like, Robert Englund's character is a fucking blast. Because it's, first of all, it's the complete polar opposite of Freddy Krueger. I mean, <laughs> he's this fun, lovable character. Uh he has a hard time with the English language because originally when he was on his way to Earth, because he's an alien, keep that in mind, when he was on his way to Earth, they they taught him the Arabic language and then placed him in America. And now he has to learn the American language while he's in America. And the, the, the very first time we see him, he's trying to tell people he's lost, that he can't find his way, and he keeps saying, I am just. And everyone's like, just what? And he's like, yes, I'm just. And it's funny because eventually he figures out that he's got the wrong word and whatnot with help from uh, the character Harmony. But uh, it, it, it's it's fun, and it's it's different to see Robert Englund in such a lighthearted uh, role. So, yeah, I, I watched... Uh, like I said, I have like one part left to watch, but I pretty that's pretty much what I was watching this past weekend. Uh... Not so much a movie, but something that I, I kind of want to talk about really quickly, iZombie. And I know, it's it's an interesting show to add to a horror podcast because it's not really horror. It's more comedy than anything else. But I, the fact that she eats brains, I mean, that that's good enough for me. And I mean, it does have a lot of zombies in it. But man, like, Rose MacGyver needs awards for her portrayals because each and every week this girl recreates her character based on the brain she eats. Because, I mean, for those of you who may not watch iZombie, basically it's this character who's been turned into a zombie and she's uh, a medical examiner for the police department. And in order for her to help them solve their crimes, she eats the brain and basically becomes the person of the brain she ate. And so I'm, I I got caught up. Um, I'm now completely caught up to like this Monday's episode and whatnot. But I gotta say, the last three episodes of this fourth season have just had me in stitches. And this girl is amazing because week after week she's playing someone different while still being the character of Liv Moore, and <laughs> she does it amazingly. And like I say, like I know it's not technically a horror show. It's more comedy than anything else. But I, kudos to the acting that comes out of this show. And yeah, some people might say it's, uh, it's a little teeny. Well, whatever. But I I, I love the show. I, I think it's a lot of fun. So I wanted to mention that. Um, not horror related at all, but something that I definitely want to kind of recommend. Kind of... I guess we could call this Lurker's Recommendation Part 2. Suicide Squad, Hell to Pay. If you like animated films, or if you like your DC comic animated films, this one was really fucking good. And DC's been kind of, I don't want to say wavering a little on the animation side, because they're still extremely strong there. But, I mean, like, Killing Joke was... The, okay, with The Killing Joke, the first 
30 minutes that they added kind of was meh. But then the last 45 minutes of that film was fucking amazing because it pretty much was the comic book brought to life. And you had Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill doing their voices and whatnot. But that film was a little, eh, I don't know. Uh, there was uh, Teen Titans Judas Contract. As good as it was, it didn't really follow the comic that well, that closely. Like Parts of it did, but parts of it didn't. And it wasn't bad, but I was I was a huge fan of the comic book. So when I watched it, I was kind of like, well, it wasn't bad, but you kind of changed some shit. This one, on the other hand, I mean, first of all, it's not really following any comic book story arc. This is a it's an original story dealing with the Suicide Squad, and it's rated R, which there was one scene where there was like a nude woman, and I was kind of like, that's out of place for a DC movie, but okay. Um, aside from that, like it did kind of deserve the R rating. It's a very violent film, and there's even... Uh, Quite a bit. I don't want to say quite a bit of vulgarity, but they drop an f bomb. <laughs> so I was like, "Whoa, hey, it's a DC movie, dropping the fuck word." But um, I don't know. It, it it was it was a good movie. I uh, I thought I would definitely mention it. I mean, I did watch it, so it's a movie I watched this past week. But uh, I I kind of recommend it. I think it, it it was a good film. Um. And I, like I say, like as with most horror fans, most horror fans are into comic books as well and whatnot. Now, whether you're into DC, Marvel, or Image or whatever, that's everyone has their own choice and whatnot. But I wanted to mention it just because I was impressed with the film, and I thought, you know, I know this is a you know horror and more more or less horror based with a bit of sci-fi in there. Uh, well, today's uh, major topic is a sci-fi film. It's not horror. But um, I wanted to mention it anyways. So Suicide Squad, Hell to Pay, I watched. Uh, and since we're on comic books, I watched Civil War yesterday morning, which I gotta say, I don't mind that movie. Um, Marvel is not my thing. I'm more a DC guy myself. But I will say the Marvel films, for the most part, are pretty impressive. Now, I'm not a Thor fan, so... The first Thor film was okay. The second one I can do without. Third one there, Ragnarok, that was fun, but I kind of more liked Hulk than I did Thor. Um, and I love Loki. I think Loki's a great fucking character. Tom Hiddleston's fucking amazing. Um, but yeah, when it, when it comes to the Marvel films, the Cap, the Captain America films, I think are my favorites. And Civil War, okay, it was kind of more an Avengers film than a Captain America film, but all in all, I, I do enjoy Civil War. I, I mean, Ant-Man. I, I enjoy Ant-Man. I am actually looking forward to the Ant-Man and Wasp film that's coming out. Uh, what? It's, I think it's this year. I don't think it's 2019. I think it's 2018. Uh, but, yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, to be, you know, to be completely open and honest about it, uh, Infinity War is pretty much the movie I've been waiting for. I want to see Thanos kill at least, you know, 75% of the Avengers the more death the better uh, and then i might tap out for a while i don't know we'll see what happens but um yeah i don't know i was sitting with the dog yesterday morning and fucking around on netflix i'm like eh, what do i want to watch and i threw civil war on so whatever uh, oh and of course i have to mention this film because what was it five days ago it was friday the 13th and 
I've okay. So I got asked to work that night, so I couldn't do what I originally wanted to do. I wanted to blitz all the first eight films. That didn't happen. So what I did was I went back and at least watched one of my favorites. Now my all-time favorite Friday the Thirteenth is Part Four. I know everyone says, "Well, it's everyone's favorite." Well, it is my favorite. Like I enjoy watching, you know, Corey Feldman kick some ass. But my second favorite Friday the 13th is one where some people are like, okay, you need your head checked, but Jason Takes Manhattan. I fucking love that movie. It is so bad, it's awesome. <laughs> and so because I had to work, my marathon went out the door, but I made sure to at least watch that one. And I love that movie. I love it so much. I know it's bad. You know what? <sighs> Whatever. Fuck off. Friday the 13th Part 8 is a lot of fun. I don't give a shit. It, I think that was the last real good Friday the 13th, in my opinion. I think 1 through 8 are the, the best. Um, uh, yeah, I'd have to say 1 through 8. I don't mind Jason Goes to Hell and Jason X. And I'll be honest with you, the reboot uh, there with uh, Daniel Panabaker, and I want to say it was... Uh, was it Jared Padalecki was in that one? I know it was one of the Winchesters, but <laughs> that's how I remember them. But um, yeah, I think it was Padalecki was in that one. It was okay, but for me, one through eight, I can watch any of them at any time, and I enjoy them. But part eight has a special place in my heart, and I, it's just, it's so crazy and so stupid. Like I don't know, but it's fun. And I'm going to be meeting Kane Hodder in, you know, a week and a half from now or whatever. And he's Jason in that. And he, I don't know, some people don't like Kane Hodder as Jason. I personally think he did a good job. I, I enjoy it. But, yeah, so I watched that. And finally, uh, I wanted to mention this one. Um, on Shudder, there's a movie called From the Dark. It's from 2014, indie film. That was a lot better than I expected. It was actually pretty cool. The creature uh, in From the Dark reminds me a lot of Nosferatu. Uh, or even so much as I would say the, the the creatures from The Descent, which I love that movie. That's a great movie. Really claustrophobic. I like it. But, um, yeah, so I I, I don't know. Uh, Shudder had, was uh, on their Facebook page. They promoted... Uh, they're doing their halfway to Halloween thing right now, and they're, like, promoting a lot of their monster movies. And they talked about From the Dark, which was one I had, like, marked. Uh, you know, for those of you who have Shudder, you know there's that thing called My List. Kind of like um, Netflix has, where, you know, you put it in your list. And anyways, so I had it From the Dark marked on there, but I never actually got to watching it. And so when they posted about that, I posted it on the Facebook page to share with everyone else, but at the same time to remind myself to go back and fucking watch this movie because I wanted to originally. I liked it. I thought it was pretty fucking good. Um, it's not great. I mean, it's not, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's the, you know, the best of all horror movies in the world, but it was a lot of fun and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that there was four characters. That's it. Four cast members in this fucking movie. And I love it. Um, Really, uh, really well done. So I wanted to mention that one. That uh, Lurker's Recommendation Part 3. <laughs> Watch From the Dark. Uh, it's a 2014 film. Really well done. Uh, takes place in Ireland. 
And um, like I say, I I was impressed with it. It it was a lot of fun. But now we're going to venture away from horror a little bit here. And we are going to enter the Oasis. We are going to go to a virtual reality world and escape this shithole that is the world we live in today. It's not that bad, but, well, depends where you live, I guess. Uh, (laughs) And how you approach life. I approach life with a really sarcastic attitude, so I guess that's why I can still smile and laugh sometimes. Just not when I'm at work. But anyways... Uh, yeah, we are going to take a break. We are going to play a trailer. Because why wouldn't I? And then when we come back, we're going to dissect the shit out of Ernest Klein's story, Ready Player One. Back in a moment. Hidden keep, a leap not taken. Retrace your steps, escape your past. And the key will be yours at last. What part of your past are you trying to escape, Halliday? This is the Oasis. A whole virtual universe. You can do anything, be anyone, without going anywhere at all. The Oasis was created by James Halliday, and what he left behind changed everything. A contest, three impossible challenges. The first to finish gets complete control of the Oasis, which means complete control of the future. Contest has got to be about connecting with someone, connecting with the world. So we take it together? Sure. from the finish line. McFly. That went well. Okay, everyone, I'm back. For the umpteenth time. I'm gonna... I'm gonna do my best. Uh, I've had to, uh, like, redo this segment a couple times because the construction outside is fucking me up. I keep losing my train of thought. So... I just want to say to everyone, I'm going to do my, like, my damnedest to stay on target. Stay on target. Stay on target. No, but I'm going to try not to lose my train of thought, uh, be, um, primarily because I'm getting tired of hitting stop and record over and over. 
But yeah, the construction outside it's kind of fucking with my head. Not to mention I'm I took some cold medication this morning. It's starting to affect me. You're like, yeah, right, dude. You're always fucked up. Yeah, I am. But whatever. <laughs> uh, so I just want to say, you know, from this point on, I'm not hitting the edit button anymore. So you you get what you get. And the other thing I want to preface though is Ready Player One. So I'm a huge fan of the book. I love the book. I've read the book three times. I'll probably read it another hundred times. It's one of the few books that I own that I constantly seem to find myself rereading. There's a lot of books I own I've that I have reread, but it's usually like, you know, I read it now, and then 10 years from now I read it again. Uh, Ready Player One, I've read it three times in the last month and a half. So I love this book. I think it's a great book. It's kind of funny. I told all my friends about it before I even read it. I was like, you know, I was telling people, I'm like, oh, I'm, you know, a great book of nostalgia. There's all these like references and shit. I guess if we grew up in the eighties, we'll love this book. I told all my friends, they all read it and it took me forever to get to it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So I loved the book. I knew the movie was going to be different from the book. The trailers kind of gave that away right away. Uh, and the trailers I actually avoided for quite a long time. It was about a week before I was going to see the movie. I finally kind of you know, caved in and said, fuck it. I want to know kind of what I'm getting into. But, uh, yeah. So anyways, to get to the point of the differences between the book and the film before I actually do my run through, I knew it was going to be different. All I wanted was, would the movie have the spirit of the book? Would it feel like I'm watching ready player one, even though there will be differences. Now the question is, did it have the spirit of the book? Well, let's find out. I know, I'm me and my... Ooh, hey, listen to me. Ah, yeah, okay. <sighs> See, I told you, I have multiple personalities in my fucking head. But anyways, so Ready Player One came out March 29th, 2018. There was one previous viewing before that, I believe, uh, at a film festival, which was... I. I want to say it was March 10th, 2018. I didn't write it down because I'm an idiot, but that's besides the point. I believe it was March 10th that there was a, a viewing of the film uh, prior to its worldwide release. So Ready Player One was directed by the man himself, the man who gave us E.T. the Extraterrestrial, Indiana Jones, and lots of other movies that I just can't think of at the moment. I know, right? Steven Spielberg. How can I not think of fucking Spielberg movies? Jurassic Park. I know. Anyways, they'll come to me. It's just not all at once. The screenplay was written by Zach Penn and with help from Ernest Klein himself. Ernest Klein is the man who wrote the book, the book that I've read three times in the last month and a half. Why do I, Why am I telling you that twice? I don't know. The movie was produced by Steven Spielberg, Donald DeLine, Dan Farah, and Christy Makoska Krieger. And wow, I said her name properly with no problems. Yay me! Uh, music by Alan Silvestri, and the music is fucking great. Although, I will say, hearing some of the old 80s songs was just as great. The casting for this was by Lucy Bevan, Kai Kwamura, and Ellen Lewis. And I think I actually said his name right. So, yay me again. Okay, so your cast. Your cast, Ty Sheridan was Parzival. Olivia Cook was Artemis. Ben Mendelsohn was Sorrento. Uh, Lena Waithe was H. 
anyways, TJ Miller, Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg's fucking awesome in this. Uh, Mark Rylance plays uh, James Halliday. Uh, Philip Zoa, Wynn Morisaki, Claire Higgins, Perdita Weeks. Uh, to be quite honest, the cast list went on for a fucking mile. So those are the names I wrote down. They're pretty much the main characters. Um, you really didn't need any of... I mean, obviously, the whole cast is important, but those were like the main names to stick out. Uh, the synopsis for the film, if you don't already know, in the year 2045, the real world is a harsh place. I'd say the same about 2018. But anyways, the only time Wade Watts, played by Ty Sheridan, truly feels alive is when he escapes to the Oasis, an immersive virtual universe where most of humanity spends their days. In the Oasis, you can go anywhere, do anything, be anyone the the oh, whoa, wow! I fucked that up. Be anyone. Hyphen. The only limits are your own imagination. The Oasis was created by the brilliant and eccentric James Halliday, played by Mark Rylance, who left his immense fortune and total control of the Oasis to the winner of a three-part contest he desi- he designed to find a worthy heir. When Wade conquers the first challenge of the reality-bending treasure hunt. He and his friends, a.k.a. the High Five, are hurled into a fantastical universe of discovery and danger to save the Oasis. That's pretty much it. Uh, So there's a little bit of a difference uh, right there between the book and the film. Is that in the book, not only did you have the three challenges, but you had to get the key and then you had to do another challenge to open the gate. With this, you're just getting the keys. There's no gates. Um... Didn't bother me too much. Kind of made me realize, though, and I've spoken this, I've spoken about this with like several of my friends. If they wanted to do a proper adaptation on the screen, this would have had to have been two or three movies. Probably, I would assume three films because like each film would end with them completing the the key and the gate. But I get it. They wanted to make it into one film. It's uh, I think it's like two hours and twenty four minutes long. I'm assuming we're probably going to get ourselves a nice little director's cut when this comes out. Maybe we won't. I don't know. But I'm kind of thinking there probably will be. But right there, yeah. So there's three challenges as opposed to six. If if you include the fact that the key and the gate were kind of separate challenges and whatnot, like in the book. So, so yeah, that was uh, right there, one of the little differences. But, I mean, all in all, I really didn't mind especially with some of the challenges they had. They were definitely interesting. Uh, so the budget for this film was $175 million, Plus, I believe I read somewhere that it was another $150 million for promotions, uh, you know, doing all the different promotional shit, posters, trailers, and all that other crap. <laughs> crap, whatever. <laughs> I'm so nice, aren't I? Uh, but the box office pull on this film, and this is only up to date as of, like, I want to say... Uh, probably like Friday the 13th because I don't think when I read when I was reading up on this I don't think it included this past weekend that just passed uh so the box office worldwide was 475.1 million dollars and I read somewhere that in order to break even they had to hit something like 440 million uh worldwide so they're they're past the even mark now uh anything they get after anything they get from this point on is is you know, 
pure profit. So good to them. Um, okay, so let me see here. I did write something down here. Uh, it ended up grossing $41.8 million in its opening weekend uh, for the four-day total of $53.7 million. And it's Spielberg's biggest debut since 2008's Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. So that's pretty cool. Uh, in its second weekend, it grossed $25.1 million, which was a drop of apparently 40%. And the reason I wrote this down, now I remember, uh, is because it finished second behind, behind, drum roll please, yeah, I know, that's horrible, uh, A Quiet Place, which is a fucking amazing movie. So, you know, all in all, if it was going to drop and it was going to play second, I can't think of a better movie for it to play second to um, because A Quiet Place was a really well done movie. So it's not like it like dropped to like a shitty film where we're like, why, why would people go see that when they could see Ready Player One again? I, by the way, I've seen it three times in the theaters. Just saying. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, so, you know, some of that $41.8 million, uh, two of the times it was me. Um, so you're welcome. Um, anyways. Uh, critic response to this. I wrote a few scores down. Uh, Metacritic has it at 64 out of 100. I disagree. Uh, cinema score gives it an A minus. I say that's about accurate. I, I, I think an A minus out of a scale between A and F. I think that's pretty good. IMDb has it at 7.9 out of 10. You know, put that up by 0.1 and I'd be satisfied. And Rotten Tomatoes? Okay, I'm not too mad at them this week. 74%. So that's not too bad. Um, And I mean, like, there have been criticisms about the movie. So I do kind of get why there's, you know, a little bit of a a mixed response uh, in terms of it not being like, you know, a 90 or a 95%er. 74% is not bad. I mean, that's pretty decent, considering, like, especially if you look at the horror genre, like, you know, 50%, and people are like, wow, it's a damn good movie. Um, actually, it's kind of funny, I was just thinking about, uh, who's it, The Rock? And Dwayne Johnson, I think, actually just uh, tweeted a couple days ago about his movie Rampage, and it's on Rotten Tomatoes, it's listed at 53%, and he was all happy about that, because he's like, well, it's the highest rated video game like film adaptation of a video game and he's like pretty happy about it and i'm like yeah 53 that's you know like in the horror genre that's like oh that's a pretty damn good movie uh so so this being a mainstream like you know wide release film at 74 percent is not bad so rotten tomatoes i'm not gonna tell you to fuck off this week uh let's see what else so ernest klein is apparently working on a sequel to the novel For a sequel to the film, he was quoted as saying, I think there's a good chance that if this one does well, Warner Brothers will want to make a sequel. I don't know if Steven Spielberg would want to dive back in because he would know what he is getting into. Uh, That kind of doesn't make sense, but that's the quote. Uh, He said that it's the third hard... hard, hard, Oh, I I guess I should have kept reading. Uh, he said that it's the third hardest film he's made out of the dozens and dozens of movies. So that would probably be why Steven Spielberg might not want to do the sequel. Uh, honestly, if there is going to be a film sequel, give it to Spielberg or can the whole idea. Um, well, 
I don't know. There's a few there's a few directors out there. The Russo brothers might do a really good job with this. Um, so you never know. That's a, you know, that's a possibility, I guess. So now the gore, the blood, and the fugly. Even though this isn't a horror film, it's still getting called that. So what is my thoughts on this? I'll sum it up in one word and then I'll break it down. Amazing. I love this movie. This was a very well done adaptation of Ready Player One. And it pays off nicely. Now, as I've already stated, and actually I should state this. Spoilers. I warned you. I warned you last week. I think I warned you the week before. I'm spoiling shit. I'm going to be spoiling a lot of shit. So, if you have not read the book and you don't want the book spoiled, stop now. If you have not seen the movie and you don't want the movie spoiled, stop now. You notice I'm dragging this on a couple minutes here. This is giving you more than enough time to hit the stop button. Come back later, though. Please listen to my podcast. But no, I will spoil shit. So I'm just warning you now. I've given you more than enough warning. Anything that gets spoiled after this point, if you've heard it, I don't want to hear complaints. Fuck you. And that's me being, you know, my lovable little obnoxious self. Telling you that I am spoiling shit. Are we good? We're good. Okay. So, let's be clear here. There are quite a few deviations from the book to the film. It does not follow the book verbatim. But the essence and the core of the book are still intact, and that's what counts. That's what I wanted. I am very, very happy with what I saw on the screen. Now, granted, yeah, there was, there's certain things missing from the book that I kind of wanted to see. Let's start off right at the beginning. No oingo boingo. Dead Man's Party is one of my favorite songs from the 80s, and I think it's within, what, the first page or two in the book? That song is referenced. I was so hoping to hear that song. It is not in the movie. Now, I don't know if it's a licensing licensing thing or whatnot. I can't understand how it would be because it's Warner Brothers Pictures, and that song is owned by Warner Music. So... I don't know, maybe for whatever reason, maybe they felt the, the song wasn't as catchy as Jump by Van Halen. I don't know. Um, that said, hearing Van Halen's Jump, that was kind of nice as well. But I, w- I wanted Oingo Boingo. It wasn't there. Don't worry. I got over it pretty quickly. Um, so, yeah, that, that, there's that difference right off the bat. Um, the character of Dido, he doesn't die in the movie. I figure, okay, there's a, there's a few things that happened in the film or ha- happened in the book or were mentioned in the book that didn't happen in the movie. Uh Dido dying doesn't happen. I figured that was probably a little too heavy, especially being that Steven Spielberg does want to he you could tell he wanted to make this a a family experience. Granted there's a there's a fuck bomb in there, but you could tell that he he still wanted to make this enjoyable enough that you know it could be a family experience. Having something as heavy as Dido's character being killed, or another thing that was uh, not mentioned is the character of H, Helen. Uh, there's no reference to her being lesbian in this. I think it's slightly hinted at, but I they don't directly come out and say it. Um, 
So, I mean, some of those, the more mature things that happened in the book are kind of missing from the movie. I understood it. As a matter of fact, I kind of expected that was going to happen. Now, as for Dido's character not dying, um, I wasn't sure whether I'd see that in the film or not. It doesn't happen. I'm okay with it. You know what? I'm glad he lived on because I kind of get the feeling if there is a sequel to this movie, I could see the title being The High Five. And it would, it kind of wouldn't make sense if one of the high five is dead. It would then be the high four, which would sound really weird. So, I don't know. And I'm also curious as to see what's going to happen with the book. Because in the book version, he's dead. So, that's going to be kind of interesting as well. Uh, one of the other things that I understood why it happened. I kind of would have liked to have seen it done differently. But trust me, I get it. I know why it was switched for the film. The kids all meet each other very early in the film. They're like in the book, Artemis and Parzival don't meet till the final chapter. Um, they drag it out the whole fucking book. They don't meet each other in person. And where in the film, I mean, she has like her like I, I kind of like looked at the dude as like being like a henchman type character, even though that's not what he really is. I think he was more like a protector for um, Artemis. But, like, he goes and, like, basically kidnaps Parzival, but it's for Parzival's own safety and whatnot. They don't do that in the book. In the book, Parzival and, and Artemis, they don't meet till like I said, the final chapter when, you know, they have their kiss and whatnot. So there was that difference. Uh, and, like I said, like like, all the kids meet quite early. I think H was the one that was, I th- is it H was the last one? Saw the movie three times, and I can't remember what order all the kids met. But um, anyways, yeah. So they meet early in the film, where in the book, like almost none of... Well, when um, when Dido's character dies, that's when Parzival meets Sho for the first time in, in person. And that was the other thing, too. In the book, they refer to him as Shoto, uh, S-H-O-T-O, um, or Shoto, whatever. Where in in the movie they constantly call them show. They never actually call them Shoto or Shoto or, or whatever, like however it's pronounced. Um, so I mean, th- there were differences right off the bat. Now the kids meeting each other, I I kind of got the feeling right from the trailers that okay this happens way earlier in the film because I couldn't see them showing us the final chapter of the film, like the final you know twenty minutes, thirty minutes of the film in the trailer. I just couldn't see that happening. So I already had an idea that, okay, these kids are all going to meet a lot earlier than they do in the film, in the book. That said, like, and I'll say this, those of us who like read the book first, those of us who were familiar with the book, there's some great surprises as well. Um, So the horror references, (laughs) there's quite a few of them. But there is one sequence in particular. Well, no, there's two, but there's one. Not in the book at all. Oh, my God. I I had a woody for this fucking thing. <laughs> like, let's just say I was extremely excited, extremely ecstatic. I had a smile, like, permagrin, like, slapped on my face. The Shining sequence. This is not in the book at all. Um, and it's, I, bl- I want to say it's the second... Is it the second challenge? Is the shining challenge? Anyways, 
that was so wonderfully done. And of course, there's like the the scene where you know H goes into room two thirty seven, and we all know if you've seen The Shining, which you're listening to this podcast, you most likely have. You've seen The Shining. You know what's in room two thirty seven. It's that old creepy naked lady, and so yeah, they she. H goes into the doorway and right away, like I'm sitting there thinking to myself, fuck, they can't get away with this. Like this movie's rated PG 13. How are they going to get away with the naked lady? Well, of course there's like one scene where like, I think it's like H's hand is like up kind of lift, like, like he's like holding it up. So like, Hey lady, what are you doing? Kind of thing. And of course it's, you know, covering her tatas. I was like, ah, I see what you guys are doing. You're like playing around with this. Um, so well done so well done and and, you know it kind of made me think to the book because in the book parzival there's one part where he has to reenact the movie war games i kind of felt like this was almost like this version's like the the film version of war games except we use the shining instead and i mean granted they didn't play out the whole film or nothing it's like you know a few sequences and whatnot but it it had me thinking back to the book where Parzival had to basically play the role of Matthew Broderick, where in this case it's H playing the character of Jack Torrance. So I, I I was totally ecstatic about that. And like from that moment on, I was like, okay, this, as much as my podcast is about both horror and sci-fi, I was like, okay, it definitely fits now because I have a full horror like reference I can drop. Um, Freddy Krueger is in this goddamn thing. Jason Voorhees is in it. And then, of course, there's the Chucky moment, which, holy shit. Now, when I saw it, I want to say it was the second time. The second time I went, it was it was a holiday here. Um, I think it, let's see, what was it? Easter Monday, I think. So kids are out of school. There's a couple families that are in there with their young ones and whatnot. And there's the whole line of, oh, my God, it's fucking Chucky. There were a couple parents I think were kind of like, oh shit, <laughs> kind of squirming a little, but oh my God, that scene was fucking hilarious. This little fucking Chucky doll just like killing all the IOIs. Oh my God, it was so fucking awesome. <clears throat> uh, excuse me. Dry throat. Not to mention I'm sick. I don't like whining about it, but <clears throat> fact is fact, I'm sick. Uh, so anyways, no, the Chucky scene was fucking awesome. Uh, like I said, Jason Voorhees, Freddy Krueger, and I'm sure there's probably other ones. Like, that's the thing. Like, I'm kind of wondering if we get a director's cut of this, what else will be brought into it? Like, I mean, the Easter eggs, there's so fucking many of them. Like, like there's certain scenes where, like, it's just characters and characters and characters, especially the final battle scene where, like, they're all, like, you know, charging at... um at the castle and whatnot. And you've got all the fucking gunters, like just running towards the castle. And they're all, you see um, like a bunch of master chiefs from the halo series. Uh, um, battle toads. I saw fucking battle toads. I was like, Oh my God, I remember playing that like in the nineties. That was one of the other things I noticed that this movie did a little bit differently than the book does. The book is very much 80s. It's very much 80s with a little bit of uh, 70s references. The movie had um, quite a bit of 90s references, which was fine. I had no problem with it. I'd even say there's a few like early 2000s, obviously, like with uh, the Halo references and whatnot. Um, 
the Iron Giant. Oh my god, that was fucking awesome. The whole Iron Giant sequence that you know H's character is the Iron Giant, and, and that's um that's kind of a variation of the Ultraman uh, sequence. Although that the Ultraman sequence was uh, what did they supplement it with? I think it was like Gundam. Uh, fuck. I wish I knew that series a little bit more, but, um, yeah, like basically Dido is like, he's gone into like this trance state, uh, inside the, the van or whatever. And they're all like, Dido, Dido, are you going to fucking help or what? And all of a sudden he's like, I come in the form of Gundam. And like, yeah, that was to, uh, be in place of Ultraman and whatnot. Cause Ultraman was used in the book. Obviously, uh, I wouldn't be referencing that point if it wasn't in the book. But yeah, the the race sequence at the fucking beginning, like that's like the first challenge to get the first key or whatever. Holy shit, that was fucking great. You saw the 66 Batmobile, you saw Bigfoot, H is driving fucking Bigfoot. I remember watching Bigfoot like in like Monster Jams like years ago when it was like I was a fucking kid. That was awesome to see. And then of course Parzival's driving the uh the uh DeLorean. However, in the book, they had that he had the Ghostbusters symbol on the on the door, not in the movie. Eh, okay, whatever. But that sequence was fucking awesome. Like having like, you know, the fucking King Kong at the end and whatnot. It, it was so awesome. Great use of CGI. The the movie, okay, it, obviously you're dealing with a movie about virtual reality. There's going to be CGI. It didn't ruin the film, though. Like, it looks good. It looks like what virtual reality would look like. If we had a virtual reality world that, like, people were all flocking to and whatnot, that's what it would look like. It's funny seeing the people that are in the virtual world, but seeing them as the real selves with the goggles on and whatnot. There's the one woman that's, like, boxing in her living room, and one thinks she's a stripper and dancing on a pole, and, you know... it. it they did such a great job of bringing humor to this film. And at the same time, it wasn't campy. It it didn't feel like, okay, yeah, I'm watching like a shitty movie. No, it was fun. Um, and like, like I said, like the CGI did not ruin this film. And if anything, in complete contrast to it, it helped build a beautiful virtual world, AKA the Oasis. Um, the actors and the actresses are all perfectly cast. Every single one of them was perfect. Uh, even, uh, shit, let me go back up here. Who was it? Uh, TJ Miller, I believe, played Irock. Now, Irock is a character that in in the in the book is not as prominent. Like, um, he's kind of like the high school bully, which I'll get to a point about Ludus in one second. But, uh, we're in in the movie they gave him like a bigger role. He's kind of like working for Sorrento and whatnot. I actually enjoyed that. I was glad they made Irock a, a bigger character. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, my problem with the whole Ludus thing. It's mentioned. You see it kind of at the beginning when he goes into the oasis and they're showing the different worlds and whatnot. You see one world that says Ludus. We never see Parzival, Artemis or any of them in school. That, I felt, was a lost opportunity. I would have liked to have seen a bit of their school life because the the school life is a big portion of the book. Completely taken out of this. Now, again, that's where I go back to if they were going to do like a full-blown adaptation of this, probably would have been more than one film. 
Um, because the like I said, the whole Ludus thing is it's a big, big part of of the story. Um, the the mentioning of the high five, I don't think it actually gets mentioned till the very end of the movie. Uh, there's no reference to the high five prior to maybe last 15 minutes of the movie. And again, in the book, that's something that was brought up. I think I want to say it was like maybe a quarter into the book, midway through the book, whatever. Uh, that's when the, the, the whole nickname of the high five came into play. So again, like I say, like I, I get it. I know why there were changes and whatnot. Um, there have been complaints I've seen online about lack of character development. I can agree with that to a certain degree, but at the same time, I think we had just enough to enjoy the characters for what we were seeing. Uh, some people felt that the characters were too bland because we didn't have the character development. Again, that's another area where I say if they were going to do a, a, a more true-to-book adaptation on in film, it would have been more than one part. Um, I've seen it three times now. I I may go one more time, but probably not. I think I've seen it enough in the theaters. Now I just want my Blu-ray. Uh, my advice to everyone, if you have not seen this movie, go see it. Uh, I, there's, there's things, like I say, if you're very partial to the book, I'm warning you now, there's not everything that you read in that book is not on that screen. But I think you're still going to enjoy it. I think it, it's still a lot of fun. If you haven't seen it, I just spoiled a lot of shit for you, too. So, sorry. Uh, sorry, not sorry. But, uh, yeah. It, d- okay, so... What was it? I think it was the first time I saw it. The day before, I want to say it was, my friend Ben. Well, Ben of DC Primetime and uh, Showcast Spotlight. He saw it, I think I think he saw it just the day before me. I don't think it was two days before me, but it might have been. Anyways... <laughs> When he saw it, he wrote on his uh, like on his social media, "Go see it." Those were the three words he had. I came out of the theater and I wrote the exact same thing. And of course, Ben's like, "You stole my line." I'm like, "Yeah, I know. I couldn't think of anything else to write." But I mean, it, it's that good of a movie. It's a lot of fun. It's it's a beautiful love letter to the '70s, '80s, and '90s, and it still tells a good story of determination, friendship, and love. Yes, there's a lot missing, but there's a lot added. And there's what, the, like I said, the core spirit, the essence of the book is there. It's a wonderful story. It's very well done. The acting is great. It's a fucking 9 out of 10 for me. Like I said, there were a few things that disappointed me. This was not going to be a perfect 10. But a 9 out of 10, yeah, it's up there. It is a wonderful movie. And... I'm hoping that you've seen the movie already and that I'm just talking my shit and you're either agreeing or telling me, eh, you know what, dude? You don't know your shit. Uh, <laughs> stick with horror movies. Yeah, uh, don't worry. Next week I will. Uh, but yeah, I-, I love this movie. It's a 9 out of 10. And on that note, thank you for listening. I appreciate that you guys come back week after week and listen to this show. I know... I. You know, there's some weeks that I I have a thing. I always go back and re-listen to my episodes after I, I after I release them, just because I try to. I w- I, I kind of like listening to my own. Uh, there, okay. So, shit. Here's me with my storytelling. But going back a bit, um, 
sometimes uh, when I want to know if a video game is is worth you know getting or not, I'll watch Twitch streamers. And I remember I was watching this one streamer the one time, and you know he he was giving suggestions while he was he was playing Destiny, and while he was playing it, he was you know saying someone in the chat or whatever asked him, you know they were interested in going into streaming uh, what's the best advice he could give to them. And he basically said, he goes, look, he goes, record your own streams, go back and watch them. If it's something that you would watch, you know you're doing good. If it's something that makes you sick to your stomach, you know you need to change things. So I've kind of adapted that for podcasting. When I release a podcast, I go back and I listen to myself as hard as it is sometimes. But I like to listen to it as if I was a listener listening to someone else's podcast and do I find it engaging and whatnot. Sometimes I find myself annoying (laughs) more times than not, but I, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I I kind of had, I've adapted that as part of my way. And it's kind of my advice to people that want to get into podcasting. Listen to yourself because if you really drive yourself that nuts, you know, you're doing a shitty job, change it. Uh, (laughs) But, I mean, and I'm also my own worst critic, so there's a lot of times where I'm, I kind of will complain. Like, I have, you guys have noticed, obviously, by this point, you know, I have a bad, bad habit of saying, um, and like a lot. And it's one of those things where sometimes when I'm listening to myself, I'm like, Jesus, you sound like a bibbling fucking fool, because I do it a lot. But it's something that I, to be quite honest, if I go back and listen to my first episode of Bats, Bows, and Books podcast, and we're talking about like you know going back to 2016, I've evolved quite a bit in terms of podcasting. So I forget where I was going with this story, but anyways, uh, yeah, uh, you know, I'm 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 happy with what I'm doing, and I know that this podcast is going to go its own way. It's going to do different things and whatnot. I enjoy bringing this show to you guys. I enjoy the feedback I get from people. I think that's kind of where I was going with this. But you guys are the reason I do it. Um, I I felt bad that I had to put it off a day, but yesterday was just not happening. I mean, I'm watching TV and constantly falling asleep. I had a bit of a fever going that I knew was pissing me off. I just was under the weather. I'm still kind of under the weather, but fuck it. I wanted to talk about this movie and I'm just so glad that people like tune in and listen and whatnot. It means a lot to me. So on that note, I'm just going to let I'm just going to plug the shit, you know, where you can find the podcast, how you can contact me, you know, and uh, I'll give you the heads up for what next week is going to be. And we'll finish off with a song and a dance and you can go on your merry way. So, first off, if you want to find the podcast, nextlevelradioonline.com slash podcast zero, which I think last week I forgot to mention that. My bad. But, yeah, nextlevelradioonline.com. Even if you don't go to the podcast zero thing, just go to the website, nextlevelradioonline.com. Go there. There's a ton of podcasts. Um, Tracy, who runs Contalk, had a really good interview with Stephen Amell uh, from the show Arrow, which I got to say, this is a side note, I know I pick on Arrow a lot, especially if you've listened to my other podcast, 
But man, they had a fucking good episode last week. I was really impressed. And it was some of Stephen Amell's best acting I've ever seen. So definitely go check out her interview. That's really good. Uh, Showcast Spotlight is another good one. Ben just uh, interviewed Dana DeLorenzo from Ash vs. Evil Dead. That chick is fucking awesome. (laughs) After listening to his episode, now I want to meet her. Because I'm like, this chick's fucking... She's hilarious. Um... But yeah, go check out some of the other podcasts. There's some great shit on there. Uh, Caffeine Crew, I know, are doing their Ready Player One episode. Probably be a lot better than this one. But, <laughs> you know, go check it out. There, there's a lot of great podcasts on the network, and uh, I'm glad to be a part of it. If you want to contact me via email, whatlurksbehindpodcastzero at gmail.com. If you want to contact me via Facebook, Facebook.com slash what lurks behind podcast zero, which again, I want to say to those of you who comment and like and share things from the Facebook page, thank you. Uh, there may only be 43 likes on that page, but it's 43 likes that I appreciate and I appreciate the support I get. So thank you very much. Uh, interesting little thing. I've had some interesting likes pop up on that page. Uh, primarily from other uh, filmmakers and indie make like indie filmmakers and whatnot. All of a sudden, I'll see them liking something that I shared of theirs. It's like, oh, gee, cool, thanks. Um, share my podcast, please. <laughs> but uh, no, it's awesome. It, it hor- the horror community is a great community. I love it. Um, Instagram. Instagram is where I love my peoples. You guys are great on the Instagram page. I I can post shit and I get twenty likes easily, if not more. Um, I'm not looking for likes, to be honest, but it's just nice to know that people are paying attention. Uh, so if you you want to find me on Instagram, it's at what lurks behind podcast zero. On Twitter, Twitter is an interesting uh, it's an interesting beast, but I do get some support on there, and I want to thank the people that are on Twitter that support me. Thank you so much. Uh, looking for me on Twitter, it's at wlb podcast underscore zero letterbox.com. And I just recently put up a review on Letterboxd for uh, From the Dark. Or what is it? Uh, yeah, From the Dark. Uh, anyways, um, so yeah, I posted a review for the, uh, on there for that. I posted a review for Ready Player One like a while back. Go go read it if you want. It basically says the same thing I said today. So, you know, you don't have to. But um, if you want to follow me on there, letterboxd.com. Uh, slash capital WLB underscore podcast zero. And then there's the Red Bubble store. Uh, haven't put any new designs re- recently. Uh, that is something I will be changing very soon. But uh, I like I said last week, I sold a shirt. So I was all, I'm, yay, me, you know, happy. Uh, <laughs> I'm very easy to please. But yeah, go check it out. Uh, got some designs on there, whatnot. Like I said, I'll be adding some more uh, very soon. Uh, redbubble.com slash people slash podcast number zero, not the word zero. And that's it for me this week. Next week, a quiet place. We're talking about it. And hopefully should everything fall into place, which it should, I will have a a special guest joining me. uh, None other than Ben Beck from DC primetime and showcase uh, spotlight. So I'm looking forward to that. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. uh, And it's a, it's a great movie to talk about. So I'm looking forward to that next weekend. Or, well, yeah, I'll be recording it next weekend, and you guys will get it in the middle of the week. But uh, anyways, again, thank you for uh, dropping by, downloading the episode, share it, rate it, review it, 
tell me I'm a pissant. I don't care. Do whatever you want. But uh, just thanks for being here. You guys, you guys mean the world to me. And on that note, I'm out of here in lots of pieces. Lots of pieces. Peace. No, I did that backwards, didn't I? Ah, because I always say pieces. Lots of pieces. Okay, sorry. Like I said, fucking cough medicine is fucking me up. <laughs> Surprisingly, I hardly coughed. So you guys are lucky. I was coughing quite a bit when I you know, got home from work and I was like, oh shit, I don't know if I can record. So, yeah, you guys are lucky the cough medicine kicked in, but it might have kicked in a little too good. Uh, on that note, I'm out of here in lots of pieces. Ciao for now.